1: Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now, with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm r- Richard O'Shields. R- r- I stumble over my own name. <laughs> it's going to be a good show. I'm Richard O'Shields. And uh, up to my north, just a, just a ways, Nikki Leach. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm celebrating because I've been waiting patiently, so patiently for the weather to warm up. And tomorrow's the day. I saw my first beetle
1: in uh, my studio today. So it's coming.
2: It was so exciting. It was so exciting. Yeah, I know now. The weatherman sometimes gets uh, it
1: wrong, but the beetles are usually smack on.
2: The beetles never lie. So I was sitting here and I was working this afternoon after our show recording this morning. And I looked over at my um, my salt lamp that sits on my desk, and there's a beetle just strolling across the little pink salt stone. I'm like,
3: yes, spring's here. <laughs>
2: Bring on the bugs, baby. I love it. So I know tomorrow's going to be warm, and that's the happy thing.
1: That's the happy thing. That'll be happy for everybody. You're so much fun when you're warm.
3: And it's fun for,
1: like me from the South, because when we were together in Costa Rica one day, she said, I think I'm sweating. I, th- I think I'm sweating. And it was almost like a point of celebration. And, you know, that's just a point of harassment when you live in Houston. I'm sweating. Oh. It's so common, you know. We don't appreciate. There's a fun viewpoint to expense you that.
2: warmth. Yes. Well, it takes a lot to get me to sweat. First of all, um, when I do my saunas, I have to I have to jack it jack the sauna up to 135
1: degrees Fahrenheit. So you before be, I even, you'd like, be good to visit me in the summertime in Phoenix.
2: Yeah. Scottsdale. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm I totally was well. I love. I love the land here. So I can't bring myself to say anymore that I was born in the wrong country, but I wouldn't mind a little warmer temperatures. Now, I don't do well in the cold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a sun baby. Yeah.
1: I mean, I tell them, I'm partially solar powered, I think, because three or four days without it, I'm just like, uh, what, I'm gonna wake up, stand up? No, no. No. <laughs> Ah, so we've just been having fun with this whole morning show thing, huh?
2: Totally. It's been an absolute blast. Our correspondents and contributors are absolutely amazing, and the articles that we're getting sent in for good news are amazing, and that show actually led us to tonight's guest, which is Uh, um, so cool. What a segue. (laughs) Well, it's... Well, it's so cool because what she does is something that's near and dear to both our hearts. And we were able to take um, what she does and feature it on the show as a good news item because it is good news, um, certainly. So we were able to talk about her work a little bit. But I couldn't resist in reaching out and saying, you know what, like, come we here, come play. Yeah. We come play with us long longer. time. Yeah, I want more details for sure. Um, so. You know, as predicted, the morning show has has done nothing but, you know, inspire the creation of good things. And that's awesome. That's what we wanted to do it for. Talk about good stuff and good stuff happens. And here's the proof because I think you guys are going to be very impressed with this young lady that we have here tonight. Yeah. Who who, who is no doubt enjoying the warm weather where she is because where she is, it's actually tomorrow from where we are. it's... it's
1: (laughs) Uh, here where we're taping, it's Wednesday night, but it's Thursday morning where our uh, guest is in Singapore. And um, or I don't know, in American we tend to say Singapore, but the British think Singapore. So I don't know which way that goes, but um, author, humanitarian, lecturer, and obviously world traveler. Uh, yes. Because that's pretty much the opposite side of the marble, I think, Singapore. Mm-hmm. You have to go to Australia. It's over there. Farther, the opposite side, I think. Uh, but we
4: uh, It's over there on the other side.
1: We have with us tonight Lynn Lansford. Welcome, Lynn. How are you? Good morning.
5: Well, good morning from here and good evening from there. And there's a time difference, but, you know, we're all one, and um, the Earth is small right now.
1: Oh, and getting it smaller is. every day, isn't it's it? It's
5: getting smaller every day.
2: Exactly, yes. It's, it is. It's a tiny is. little planet tiny little marble going through a big
5: old universe. It's kind of cool. You know, Nikki, I well, am um, I'm very, very um, happy to be here, and I'm especially happy because you called me a young lady. <laughs> I have a well, young you, lady. I'm
2: in, sorry, do I have that wrong? Because I'm looking at your picture on Skype, and I, I mean, I, I might have it wrong, but you look pretty young to
5: me. Um, You've I'm, got... I'm closer, to, I'm closer to 60 than 50.
2: Okay, girls, you're doing something right, because <laughs> y'all be looking there like... There must be that happy I, coming I out. Was, I was thinking 30s, and for me, that's oh young, because I'm going to be 40 in a year and a half. So well, I, but, uh, you yeah, like these apple rosy cheeks and...
1: We're already going to have to schedule you in for another show to see about your diet, your exercise. <laughs> We're going to have to research, figure out how it is. No, I yeah, keep telling you people, it's, it's a steady diet of happy that does that. Yeah, but.
5: absolutely, and of serving. When when you serve other people, you can't help but be grateful and happy. I mean, it fills you up. And I guess that's my secret. No diet. I eat everything.
3: <laughs> no
5: exercise except sitting on airplanes. No, I do do a lot of exercise, but it comes with serving. So, um, that that's
1: the secret is to do for others. Amen. Somebody called me the other day and said that they just felt like they couldn't get up and get going with any of their things that they had going because they were just felt like blah. And it mm-hmm. must be going around because I just heard from my friend so and so and she feels blah. And I said, no, that was your assistance call. You go make her feel happy. You'll be happy by the time you do.
5: Exactly. Yep, that's it. If anybody's depressed, get out and and help somebody. That'll cheer you up. Who needs Prozac? Go help somebody.
1: Right? Can't can't cheer people up without you know, rubbing it off on you, and exactly.
4: that's
3: why we
1: love doing all Absolutely. these good news shows and 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 having all these amazing guests. It's, it rubs off on nice. us. Mm-hmm. Oh, got some happy on you? Excuse me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. We, can't, we cannot possibly be in a bad mood doing what we do for a living.
5: No. And, and I think that's, that's the problem with a lot of people is, is they're, they're going around thinking they can't do anything, and they get depressed and sit at home, and they look at the world problems, and they think, what, what can I do to make a difference? Well, you can do a lot to make a difference. And I'll tell you what, when you see people's faces and change their lives even if it's just a simple thing of serving them a bowl of soup, you have made a difference. And, boy, that feels good. You don't realize how good it feels until you've done it.
1: Awesome. See? Well, there's the show.
2: We can all go home now.
1: Right. Thanks for joining yep, us. We're not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we have to have the question. All right, Lynn,
2: so we've got to get, we get to the question, the big question of the night. It's a very important question. You've been studying for all your life, so you already know the answer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Lynn Lansford, who on earth are
5: you and what do you do? Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> I'm a mom of six kids. I have eight grandchildren. Um, I was raised with atheist parents um, in a very small town, but not only were they atheist, um, they gave. And when I was six months old, they um, took me to Ethiopia on the Point Four program, which was the precursor to the Peace Corps. And um, I grew up around different cultures. And for some reason, it changed my DNA. And I know that... Um, my being there as an infant put me on a path of acceptance and tolerance and um loving everybody and not understanding why people didn't get along so i um I had a rough rough adolescence as most people do, but mine was a little different because i um, I wanted to be out of a regular environment of all the, uh, I hate to say this, but the white kids, the white, spoiled, rotten kids. And so I begged to go to a boarding school. Um, I really wanted to go to a boarding school in South America, but (laughs) the closest I could get was Laredo, Texas. And um, went to a wonderful boarding school down there where I was the only Gringa. I was the only white girl, and um, I l- I learned to um, speak all all the bad words of Spanish first. Everybody it's in, in the best dorm. Way. Yep. Everybody in the dorm taught me all these bad words, thinking that that it was really funny. And I go into my Spanish class and I tell my Spanish teacher, "Hey, I know Spanish." And here I go telling all the bad words and became the laughing stock. So <laughs> So at thirteen I didn't speak Spanish anymore. But I um <laughs> I um I wasn't angry, I thought it was kinda of funny. Um but anyway I spent my weekends at age thirteen and fourteen, um, in Mexico and I went to the poor parts of Nuevo Laredo when it was safe and um Learn to understand the impoverished, and had a had a big heart for wanting to help them. At at that age, I couldn't, but um, I wanted to. I um, I thought someday I'm going to change the world. And um, what I what I realize now is, um, you can't change the world, but you can change one person at a time. Absolutely.
2: So, and that changes
5: the world, though, doesn't it? It does. It does. That's the key, you know,
2: right?
3: Little ripples. Just,
5: it, it, it comes down to vibration. It comes down to energy vibration. When you are near somebody that um, is out of luck, out of work, um, not feeling very good about anything, and you come up and your vibration is of love and joy and gratitude, and you just touch that person just on the shoulder, just on the cheek, on the top of the head, and you give them that that look of compassion, it changes them. It really does. And that changes both of us. When I became um, older and I (laughs) I got through my boarding school, I actually had to come home from my boarding school because my mother got sick. My mother got glaucoma and went blind. And I had to, to leave my boarding school and come home and help with her. And unfortunately, she had surgery and, and got most of her sight back. But helping her also re- made me realize that you don't have to go far to change anybody. You can change anybody within your circle within your home, within your family, and that also makes a big difference. I, um, I got married very young. I um, married a high school sweetheart. Um, we were married for four months and went to Padre Island, and he drowned in front of me. And um, not knowing I was pregnant at the time, and I shouldn't have been, I was on the pill, Um, I came home and and delivered a beautiful little boy um, about six months later, and um, he became my best friend. Um, I I married again. I married again, and that marriage lasted 10 years, produced two more children, but it wasn't a happy marriage. It was pretty miserable. And... um, that marriage dissolved, and then I married the, the my soulmate. I met him um, during my divorce when I had planned on never getting married again. Um, as my mother said, don't marry him, just live with him, have fun. Um, she was very progressive. Um, but I, I did marry him, and um, he was very much like me, and I had never met anybody quite like me. Um, who wanted to make a difference and so we made a great team. We made a wonderful team We wanted to have more children. I had three um, He didn't have any um, and never had been married, so he kind of got the graduate course first um, We um, decided to adopt we we um, went through a lot of fertility treatments and didn't have any luck and um, decided to um, adopt through Mother Teresa in India. And um, while we were in the process of of really getting serious about that, the revolution in Romania broke out. And if anybody remembers what happened after Romania opened, um, there were thousands and thousands of children warehoused in institutions under the dictator Ceausescu. When we saw the, the first news reels coming out of that, um, we decided that was it. We were going to go over there and make a difference. So we um, started our paperwork, and within three or four months, I was on an airplane by myself. Um, Jim had to stay back with the other kids and um, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. I had um contacted a lady from Germany who had found some children in an institution in Transylvania. So I was determined to meet up with her. Um, I I'm not going to go into this this is a whole other show, but um the, the minute I got off the airplane, <laughs> the minute I got off the airplane, I was whisked away by a Turkish um taxi driver. Who decided um, he wasn't going to um, let me go where I wanted to go and took me to a hotel. I had no idea where I was going. Um, He took me to a hotel, wanted to exchange money and took my passport. Um, I eventually um, got to the American Embassy the next day and Found out that the American Embassy was no help, didn't want to um, have anything to do with us Americans coming over to adopt, even though there weren't very many at that time. Um, I made my way to Transylvania. I found two absolutely beautiful children. One of them was a little boy that I was told was 18 months old, and one of them was a little gypsy child, a little girl, um, who was all wrapped up. All I could see were her eyeballs, and... um, Those are the children I adopted. I later found out that the little boy wasn't 18 months old, but four years old, who had severe neglect, and um, the little girl, um, who was gypsy, um, had some developmental problems because she had been wrapped so tight her muscles atrophied. So I came home with two very, very sick children. Um, the journey home was really interesting because um, the the country shut down right as we were leaving and two people jumped the line and got our, our seats on the plane. And so we had to take the Orient Express out of the country and smuggle the kids out. Another story, another time. Um, anyway... Well,
1: but, well, uh, just for people ahead. that might not be might aware... Not be aware um, the way that children with any sort of a physical or mental difficulty uh, were perhaps even just unwanted or from an unwanted group. Uh, the Roma were not real popular. Uh, with They seemed to not be popular anywhere. I don't know how that yeah. happened. But the the way that they handled that under these many of these communist dictatorial regimes was they just put them in an institution. So they basically just put you in a box. And and neglected you so you died and then they didn't have to take care of you. So
5: yeah, and and Romania had a, a very strange way of of putting these children in institutions. At the age of three, they were divided into two groups: the unsalvageables and the salvageables. If you had any defect at all, crossed eyes, big ears, um anything, a a short finger, you were deemed um, unsalvageable and sent to an institution to be um, warehoused until death. Um, Those institutions had a 70% death rate within the first year, but the children kept coming. The other children were put into institutions that were um, really housing for the secret police, where they were not loved. There was no bonding. Um, They were denied any access to affection or love, and so they developed what's called reactive attachment disorder, which causes no guilt and no feelings toward other people, and those were the perfect people for the secret police. Anyway, um, that changed our lives forever, Um, seeing those children... um, made us realize that was the route we wanted to take to start changing, to start changing um, the world. So the next 12 years we spent working for children's rights in Romania. I worked with the um, minister at the parliament for the gypsy culture and develop, helped develop the first written language um, of the Roma in children's books that were produced in Paris. We opened several schools just for the gypsy children Um, and also worked with um, the the Roma culture in being accepted as being different. One of the reasons the Romas were um, discriminated against is because they're so secretive. when, When people don't understand something, they're afraid of it. And we tried to make their culture a little more understandable, so they were more accepted. During the time of Ceausescu, it wasn't illegal um, to kill a, to kill a gypsy. Um, if you pushed one in front of a train and and they died, um, there was no repercussions. So we tried to change that, giving the, the Roma rights. Um, I was also the first uh, American woman to in, be invited. From the emperor of the Romanian Gypsies to their festival, and I, I presented to them the first flag that I had made in Colorado, um, of the Gypsy symbol, which is very Hindu-looking. Um, anyway, I presented it to them, and it was immediately stolen. <laughs> at this, at this festival, I was also at the only woman sitting at the table with the emperor and all the dignitaries. And um, and the king wanted to open a bottle of wine and pretended like he didn't have anything to open this bottle of wine. So I pulled out my my fancy heavy-duty Swiss army knife and presented it to him to use, and um, he stole it. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, um,
1: but, it's, but it's a cultural thing. It's like we, exactly. we Americans hear about, you know, you have, to, you have to pay some people off, you know, if you really want to do business promptly okay. in certain countries. Well, but okay. over there, they don't look at it that way. It's just always been a part. It's just part of the deal, It you is. you know, and, and uh, you know, not sure whether we like her yet. So I'm going to steal the flag until we decide if we like her. <laughs>
5: well, they did. They they got the flag back, and it hung in the Parliament Building after that. So that was that was pretty awesome. Um, after we worked in Romania a while, um, we decided to change routes, and I went to um, India. When I went to India, I was working. Um, pretty much by myself, but I went with another group. I went with a Scientology group. Now, I had heard some negative things about the Scientologists, but being an accepted, um, tolerant person that I thought I was, and I, I think I am, I went without any expectations or any prejudiced or biased. And honestly, they welcomed me beautifully. I, I went into the streets gathering orphan... Um, I'm sorry, I was talking about another country. I went to... Um, let me back up, because I'm talking about Haiti. I'm not talking about India. I went after the earthquake. Right. And I went with the Scientologist um, after the earthquake in, in Haiti. And we went through the town... Um, Port-au-Prince where it was absolute destruction and there were still bodies buried um, in the rubble. And we went through finding the children that were running around without parents um, and gathered them up and put them in a very, very safe environment until we could secure um, a building for these children. And then we put together one of the, the first large orphanages in Haiti. Um, I loved it. I don't regret anything that, that happened there. I, I wish I could have done more. I, I did go to India. I worked in an orphanage with 600 pediatric age children. Um, very, very hands-on um, not afraid of, of the spread of aids i i don't let fear get in my way if if you fear anything you hurt yourself so i um i totally agree I, I taught infant bonding i taught um, which I had learned was devastating in Romania um, so I taught infant bonding to um the children that were the babies that were brought in, also infant massage, which um, helped stimulate growth. And my adoptive Roma daughter, um, who was then, let's say, 16 years old, started a a girl soccer league um, at that orphanage. Um, Because she was Roma, she identified physically with the Indian children because the, the Roma came from the Rajput Indian tribe in India, mixed with Mongolians. So she looked more like the Indian children and, and felt very accepted, and, and loved that as well.
1: Yeah, it's a great picture on your website, and uh, and at at a glance, somebody might presume that she was from the facility in India or something, because she does yeah. look blend into an Indian environment. Right. Beautiful girl, but uh, she could certainly pass as Indian.
5: She does. And that was part of her um, accepting herself and understanding where she came from. And it was a big part of her, her growing up, I think, and being accepted of of who she was instead of being so darn different from, from our family. We, we had um, an instant, an incident when she was about, Oh, Four years old, I had all my children, at a, and she was sitting in a grocery cart, and somebody looked at her and, and looked at me and said, "Is she your child, or are you just babysitting?" And I, I started laughing, and, and my daughter said, "Well, in our family, we have light medium and dark. so oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Good for
1: her. We got it all over here. You just yeah. don't understand.
5: <laughs> yeah, light, medium and dark, tall, short, fat, whatever, we're we're all mixed. Yeah, she understood very early that she was a part of the family, but yes, she was different. So going to India was a a, a big um self-discovery for her.
1: Then such a gift uh from you, uh you know, so often that that does not go well when there's an intercultural thing and you know, people are like, you know, so I'm going to teach you how to be American. <laughs> cut that out. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Just don't, cut that don't out. Don't tell
5: her she's adopted. Right. <laughs> 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 Let her discover it when she's a teenager. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, nobody will ever notice okay. she's
5: No, not at all. She looks so much like you. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, Oh boy, I, I think I've I've covered a lot of that. Um
1: Well, you've well you Well you certainly ground, just blew it.
5: my mind.
2: because, um, <laughs> I it's, of course you, you you don't know, but for our regular listeners they know I'm the one who doesn't do any research on on our
1: guests. She's not allowed so, to um my department. Oh. I'm I'm
2: supposed to bring the listener perspective to the show and I was going off the story that we did where we featured you the other day on the morning show. So that's, that's all I knew about you. I didn't know any of this. And so I'm kind of sitting over here with my jaw on the floor in awe. Um, and I hardly know where to start with asking questions. I mean, well, let let me
5: go ahead. and, And I remember another thing that was very important that, that I have done that I want the listeners to hear. Um, I don't know if any of you remember September 1st in Beslan, Russia, several years ago. In fact, this is the 10th year anniversary of that tragedy when the Chechen rebels took over the school number one and um, captured all those children for three days. Um, It turned into tragedy because the Russian troops, stormed the school, and the Chechen rebels um, deployed the bombs and blew up the school and killed over 300 innocent children and grandparents and parents and teachers. I was so moved by that. Um, I got my children, and we went door to door collecting stuffed animals that I was going to send to Beslan, to just make a, a token um, condolence to everyone who had been through that. And um, after we collected over a 1,000 stuffed animals and teddy bears, my husband looked at me and he says, you don't want to send those, you want to go, don't you? And I said, you're right, I do. So I applied for a Russian visa and was denied because of, of my other work I believe I'm not sure but I was denied and um, I tried again and the next time by moving a little bit in the paperwork um, and I'm not going to kind of go into that I, I was accepted and I went to Russia with a thousand teddy bears and stuffed animals um, it took me three days on a train to get to Best Lawn. And when I did, I um, I met with the teachers and I met with the families. I went to the hospitals to see the children who were recovering their their wounds. And I was so moved by these beautiful people. I was at the cemetery and... I had a, um, a lady come up to me and she was, she was crying and she thanked me for coming. I was actually putting a, a stuffed animal on every grave um, of the children. And I said, what are you going to do now? Um, what's next? And she said, in Oseta, there is a, a very important thing that the women do. If two men are fighting and a woman wants it to stop, she throws a white piece of cloth between the two men and the two men must stop. And she says, I'm throwing down the white cloth. I do not want revenge. We have told the men, no revenge. You're not going after the rebels. You're not going after. It's time to forgive and move on. That was so important to me um, that I decided I wanted to hear everyone's take on what had happened and how they were coping and how they were learning to forgive. So I set up a video camera, not understanding Ossetian or Russian, and I invited people to come in and to talk. And I recorded 16 hours of personal tragic stories of what these people had been through, and those stories became a book. The book is called Beslan, Shattered Innocence, and it is a story of their story and how forgiveness heals. I also decided to throw happiness parties for these children that were the victims and the survivors, so I rented out a a Sutchin bakery, not very large. And I told the the Assetian bakers, I want Coca-Cola, I want cakes, I want their favorite foods, bring it in. And I made an announcement through the teachers that everybody was welcome. I had a lot of children coming in. These children were stone-faced. They were scared. Um, They were shell-shocked. And when they came in, they were very, very um, skeptical of me, what was I wanting, what was I going to do. They didn't want the door closed. They wanted an exit. Um, it It was absolutely heartbreaking. And once we started the happiness party, and we had puppets, and we had music, and we had toys, and... Within about 30 minutes, they started to smile, and the mother started to weep, and they came to me after the party, and they said, thank you for giving us our children back, and it, it touched me so much that I realized that forgiveness is the only healer of any tragedy, any tragedy. So. The book is available on Amazon. It is a very difficult read. It is very graphic. But it is a story of um, forgiveness and redemption and, and how to survive after, after terrorists or after any tragedy. Now, to get to what I'm doing now. <laughs> what I'm doing now.
1: Well, well, let's uh, take a deep breath. For
5: a <laughs> <minute>.
2: um, <laughs>
1: that soaked in. We're gonna make
2: sure that that link is up on um, up on the show page so that Absolutely. everybody that's listening tonight knows where to get it. I certainly want to get my hands on a copy so that I can review it on our morning show. Um, I, I don't I don't know what to say to you, Lynn, because so often we're prepared ahead of time. You know, we know I have a general idea of what these people have done in their lives, although I don't do any research. A lot of our guests come to us through through publicity networks and, and publicists, um, or, or we've heard of them before. You, my dear, seem to be a gift direct from from George. That's our pet name for God Um, and it's a long story that but you'll understand if you okay so cool Um,
1: and when I see something when when George does something like that I have to almost purposely uh, zip my lip to not you know go you realize who we're talking yeah, to tonight? You, because you, you must know.
2: have been just like biting your tongue over there, Rick. But I just so I just want to take the opportunity now on air to say uh, just thank you, thank you for being,
5: thank you for letting me tell my story. So I can inspire. That's one thing I have learned is if we don't inspire others, nothing happens. Inspiration is in spirit. And when we are in spirit, um, connected with goodness, connected with the vibrational energy of the divine, um, we can change things. Whether we make it known or not, even if my story hadn't come out, I know that um, the world has been changed and I am better for it. Thank you. And so is the world.
1: Uh, well, absolutely, and it's, it's it is that ripple effect oh because boy. the the change the change to have you know uh, dozens a dozen dozen one child begin to smile and laugh again is that's monumental, and um, yeah. to to do it over time and time again, you know, what is this what is this Roman Gypsy thing? They're people. Yeah, one of them's my daughter. Yeah, what, are you, what are it, you? What are you? What are you crazy? It, they're people. It,
4: they're people.
1: It's like this whole thing that's going on in the states right now about gay marriage. You know, I found, it, you know, it, I found a also, quote about it. To me, it's just marriage.
5: It, you know, it all comes down to fear.
1: Oh, all of it, every of it. bit of it. Dear,
5: fear of of what we can lose, what we think we have that we don't, um, that we're afraid of losing it. We're afraid of losing our identity. We're afraid of losing our values. We're afraid of learning that things are not what they appear. There is an illusion that we all believe until that illusion is has been taken from us. And for some people, that's very scary. And for those people, they're asleep. And I think it's for all of us who are in spirit to help wake these people up and to make them feel like there really isn't anything to fear. Um Fear is fear
1: itself. Absolutely, and um, that—I uh, mean, certainly we can dismiss a whole bunch of the fears. Uh, you know, you—you you went over there, and yeah, they all were kind of suspicious. And what in the world is this lady doing over here? And uh, you know, leave the door open because we're not. You, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But it was fine, and um, you know, she said, "Well, wow, that's a dangerous area." Oh, well.
5: Yeah. That's why um, they need
1: a hug. That's why they need a happiness party. That's why they need some help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, um,
5: my my husband got a, a phone call from our, our um, government and said um, that I was not covered by the government and they wouldn't help me because I was in a very, very dangerous area um, that Americans were being kidnapped by Chechen rebels and they wanted me to come home immediately and you know i I just don't go there. I just don't go there because whatever happens is is meant to happen, and everything is going to be fine, no matter what happens and i I didn't let fear get me then and and I continue not to now and if I if really you
2: let- get where- what you're saying Lynn because I, I went to the Philippines with like two weeks warning I'd never been anywhere big in my life and I don't like the story of how I got there and why I went there is absolutely insane but um, I I didn't find out until I got back that I, I was working with um, some Filipino friends and, and they thought I was absolutely insane that I had gone there by myself and just gone and that I'd made friends with locals and that I'd, you know, done all this stuff. Um, they wanted to know how it was I didn't get kidnapped. They wanted to know how it was I didn't get robbed, mugged, all these things. And, and then they thought I was even more insane when I turned around and took my very cute, very young, very blonde young daughter back to the Philippines with me. Because they were like, "No, you can't do that and we we arrived when we brought her back, we arrived in um in Manila at I think it was like two in the morning, and she was hungry, so we went for a walk downtown with our friends um to to go to to go to one of the local fast food places to get her a bite to eat and this was now about three thirty a m um and The guys hung back like a fair way because they wanted to see what would happen because this child had absolutely no fear of of something happening to her. She just believed it was okay and she should be there, and I believed it was okay and she should be there. Now, Mm. everything they had been told because they were locals was that it was dangerous for her and me to be walking the streets at 3.30 in the morning Mm. alone. Yeah. But they wanted to see because we were testing that theory. And so we went and we walked and nothing happened to us. Absolutely uh-huh. nothing went wrong. In fact, I can't remember ever having a negative experience with any of the locals while I was there. Because I uh-huh. truly
5: believed that I was supposed to be there. Exactly. That I belonged there. Yeah. And that I was safe there. Yeah. I, I have always been welcomed with open arms in every foreign country I have ever been to. I remember being very alone in Romania um, right after the revolution when the Romanians were really trying to understand what had happened and come out of this communist fog. And I would I would be standing on a street corner and I would have a Romanian come up to me and, and, and beg me to come into their house. Um, please come have coffee with me. I, I want to get to know you. Um, please stay at my house. Um, I never once, except for my Turkish taxi driver, um, felt threatened. And that, that experience with the taxi driver taught me many things, but I didn't let it Take away my love for the for my human my human friends ever.
1: ever. You, you didn't even let it slow you down. You were at the embassy no. the next day, going, okay, what's up? Yep, I need a passport I, and uh, <laughs> can you help with the kid thing? Oh no, we don't we don't do that. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we help people? No, no, no. We're the government. But the
2: thing, <laughs> and that's that's one of the things that I talk about when I talk about my my trip to the Philippines, and you're you're living, walking proof that this is pretty evident in every country you go to. If you go in with an open heart, an open mind, and not with this idea of I have things to teach you, but with I have so much to learn from you, and that's what I'm here to do. I want to see your world. I want to see your life. I want I want to see you.
5: Yeah. And again, and it's that vibration they, energy that you bring yeah, with you.
2: They, they just... I mean, I got taken out to the provinces. I got to, yeah, I got to stay at a, a, a new friend's. I'm going to call him a new friend, but he, he actually was one of the gentlemen that worked in the hotel. But he took me out to stay with his family in the provinces, like three hours out of Manila, um, my daughter and I. And they, they took us to a volcano and, and a whole bunch of places. And I got taken to, to Baguio City. I hopped in a van with, with a bunch of orphans in an orphanage because they said, hey, do you want to come? And I said, sure. Um, and it was during the I mean, so many magical things happened to me and that's, I ended up writing a book about it because I couldn't believe that it, this was happening. I just, it, it kind of blew my mind. I left everything behind. I jumped on a plane and I went with an open heart and magic just happened every single day I was there. It's magical
5: things happen when you fill your heart with love and you don't let anything stop you. That's what being in spirit is. It's being inspired to be the best you can and only with love. It's almost loving unconditionally. You know, we are here and and people say, what is the purpose of life? And, and you don't have to climb a mountain to find it. It's very, very simple. We're here to learn to love. Not, you know, not immediately unconditional because we have to go through the messy love. We have to go through the hurt love. We have to go through all the different kinds of love before you learn to get through it. And and what the difference of being in love is in being loving and there is a difference. And when you learn that you can inspire others to learn it as well. And in loving other people unconditionally, which is the ultimate goal after you get through the messy love and after you get through the romantic love and the hurt love is learning to forgive so you can love them unconditionally. They feel it. They absolutely feel it, and it's almost an instant bond of trust. I learned that really through the the survivors in best lawn. one of the women who is telling me her story and her story is in the book um, talks about sitting next to one of the terrorists who had his foot on the igniter for one of the bombs in the gym and he, he started to look at her. And at first she didn't want to make eye contact. And then she realized, if I don't make eye contact, he will not see me as him. We will not have a connection. We will not be one. I will not be human. So she made eye contact. And then she started to talk to him. And then she heard his story. And then he became softer and he made sure that she wasn't, she wasn't hurt, she wasn't injured. That's just one of the stories about how we can connect with somebody else to, to let them know that we're the same. We're no different. You know, you may have come from a Chechen republic where your wife was killed by the Russian troops, and I am safe in Russia, and I'm the enemy, but I'm not. Because you and I share the same thing. We both have children, we both have a mother, and we both want to live, and we want to live in peace.
1: And that's usually it, eh? I mean, you know, that that reasonableness thing, that fascinating Spock logic thing, people, is people don't just, you know, pick up homemade bombs and blow themselves up for no reason. (laughs) There's usually something up over there. To, it's usually you know, pain.
5: It's usually and,
1: paint. yeah. And, um, and I can't think of any way to avoid that any better than throwing happiness parties for kids. <laughs> because if you throw happiness parties mm-hmm. for the kids and the kids are happy and, uh, you know, everybody would say, well, we're going to have a war on terror and we're going to have this and a war on that and a war on that. And, but look, these people got, they're hopeless, many of them. They see no future. For themselves, for a family, for a wife, for a for a happy life, Mm-mm. and 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 when you get that desperate, you will do almost anything. And all it takes is somebody to really to smile at them, shake their hand, let them know you see them, and yeah. give them an opportunity to live. It, it's not give them an opportunity to be some strange other kind of people over there. It, no, that's a cartoon thing. <laughs> that's all made up, people.
5: It is, and it, it, it's all to, to strike fear into us, and so we become separate. And when we separate ourselves from others, it makes it difficult to reach anybody. And so when we make sure that, that anybody realizes that we are the same, that we share the same planet, that we share the same lives, that we all want children to, to grow up to be happy and in peace, um, then we're not separate anymore, and and that's the critical part to becoming one country on one planet.
4: <sighs> I like you.
3: <laughs> it
2: sucks. It when we have to go that. to break. But well, it's, I have the best.
1: You job said in after the world. that story. I just breathing.
2: Ah, my job is
1: awesome. I love my job.
2: I love you mine too. <laughs> all,
1: what do you guys do, do with this radio you? thing? So we get paid to love people and point out that humans are awesome. Every All over the place we find them awesome. It's like the morning show. Wow, we find wow. good news everywhere. But uh, it, it is, it is that halfway our... mark. Uh, so we'll take a break here. And uh, then when we come back, we'll talk more about... Uh, this we'll t- talk about what she's doing now well one of nikki's favorite questions what are we doing now what are we doing now but yeah, mm-hmm. for this evening we have uh, one of ina v's songs yes we play ina v a lot it's because she has really cool songs that always seem to fit i guess it's because what we've got send us your independent music and maybe george will match us up with one of your songs because i'm saying george matched this one up on uh she's a miracle walking is the name of the song and um uh, We'll be back in just a few moments. Stick with us, folks. Mm everyday connection, on the Flow Cooperative, an entirely new stream, on the scene. Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our friend Ina V, and uh, you can find her at InaV.com, that's E-N-A-V-I-E.com, because she has lots of cool music, including that Earth Prayer song that we've played bunches, but... I couldn't think of anything to play tonight except she's a miracle walking, considering well, our honored guest tonight. Of course, they're all honored guests by the time we get to break time, aren't they? Just get to know somebody a little. <laughs> you get to know somebody a little and you go, hey, you're awesome. It works with people all around the planet, really.
0: <clears throat>
1: Singapore in this case. you know, I had to go to Singapore to talk to somebody from Colorado that was
3: <laughs> born
1: in Oklahoma and hung out in Texas. Um, my parents were born in Oklahoma. We hung out in Texas a lot. Um, from there pretty much and uh but you know yeah thank heavens for skype right makes our job easier
2: cheaper too we don't have to ship them in the studio
1: right yeah besides those studios those can be such a i'm on the patio everybody can tell because you occasionally hear a car or a truck or save our money for
2: important things like feeding kids and stuff
1: yeah, and no. going to the Philippines and discovering fantastic kids because I, I I knew you guys would connect too because of of the kid angle because it was the kids at the orphanage in in uh, yeah. well, in yeah, uh, really the was. Philippines that really really did it to you. I mean the Filipino yeah, so people are wonderful. Kids, I don't sure. I don't want to talk them down, but it was the kids that got her people.
3: Definitely
1: <clears throat> the, the, the
2: children at um, South yeah the Shepherd of the Hills um, Foundation. Just yeah, they changed my life completely. Changed yeah. my life. Everything I thought I knew that was important went out the window when I met those children.
1: Uh, See, it's one of those things. We get some more women in politics, and then we make them go meet the children any place that they're thinking about having a disagreement with, and there'll be no more of that. Right? Because the children are the children. I don't care where you go. They're just the kids. Yeah. You know? And there's so much
2: we can learn from them.
1: Ooh, shiny. Let's play. You know? If they're not, it's because somebody did something to them, like blew up their school and killed half their school and stuff. It's icky. Uh, but it takes what, 30 minutes at a happy party and they smile. And within an hour they were probably laughing. And nothing quite like the laughter of children really. Nina Fair B, we healing. love your music. But, you know, kids laughing. Wow. So, having there's fun? Nothing,
5: so, there's nothing more precious than hearing a baby laugh. I think that, oh. That that's Bob's miracle to to brighten anybody's day is the laughter of a baby. Right? Like yeah,
1: well, pure source energy just woof, woof right through there.
5: <laughs> sure does. Uh, I'm curious, how did you
2: come up with Bob? <laughs> if you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. Um. I'd rather talk about what I'm doing.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: Well, I'll I'll find out after the show then. Cuz I'm really curious how you came up with Bob. That sounds interesting, Bob.
1: Well, she's got George, you know. It
5: <laughs> it it has to do with with um facilitating my my um my group of a course in miracles. Um I'll okay. I'll tell you very very quickly. When we decided to facilitate um the group um, reading A Course in Miracles. We got a collection of people who were very, very jaded about religion and who were very, very skeptical about any type of higher power. And they had been through many experiences with religion and, and had a very, very tough time accepting it. And so when we were starting to read the Course in Miracles, it talks about God a lot, and people just said, "I, I can't do that. I I can say a higher power. I can say um, I just don't like the word God because it it makes me think of a white bearded man up in the sky with an an. Something that that's ready to pounce on you if you're bad, and so what we decided was we were going to come up with a name that everybody could accept, that represented a higher power but did not have the connotation of that big old man in the sky, and we all voted on Bob. That's so awesome. Now we have, so now we have Bob. Bob comes
2: that's to our question. Awesome. So
1: that's almost exactly how you got George.
2: It is almost exactly how I got George. Absolutely, um, because I didn't, I didn't agree with the whole idea of of calling God either. Because I was writing this book about how it's all the same, same person. So I can't call it God. I can't call it. I can't call Muhammad. I can't. What do I call you? Basically, so I just, you know, out to the universe. What do I call you? And I got the answer back, George, and um, <laughs> I didn't know why, uh, but. I I got told, you'll know by the end of the day. And sure enough, a friend of mine who was working through the process of writing the book with me and knew the whole story called that later that day. And I told her what happened and she laughed and laughed. And when she could finally start breathing again, you know, what's so funny? She's like, I can't believe you don't get it. And I said, well, what's what's to get? She says, well, how do you see God? I said, God is this, this energetic force that wants to experience everything. So it manifests itself into physicality so that it can can experience things and she goes yeah so it's curious george and i'm like oh and it's it's been george ever since because that makes sense to me
4: yes <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so we've so we what have are people you doing now several Lynn? continents talking about george
2: yeah <laughs> we have stuff. people all over the world calling god george it's awesome um <laughs> And now they're going to be calling. Now they're
1: calling Bob. Bob. That's
2: so good. <laughs> yeah, Bob
1: George. It just all works. Uh, Doesn't care names. So, names. What's in a name? Exactly. What's a
2: label, right?
1: Exactly. Uh, what so road. what
2: are you doing now, Lynn? How how did we find you? Because that's kind of.
5: Well, it comes down to in October, um, I went. I, I'm my health was declining horribly, and I was getting to where. I could not go up and down steps. I was exhausted. Um, I was having trouble with my energy. I was becoming foggy. I couldn't remember words. I was, um, I was declining so fast I knew something was wrong. Um, I went to a doctor, had a blood test done, and found out that I had a parathyroid tumor. Now, the parathyroid tumors are always benign. Um, very, very, very rarely are they malignant. So I thought, um, you know, 15-minute operation, going to turn my life around. And um, I went to um, Tampa, Florida, to have the surgery at a, a center that only deals with parathyroid tumors. And while I was having my parathyroid tumor taken out, they found out that I had thyroid cancer. And they removed half of my thyroid and when I got back to Colorado to do my follow-up I was told I needed radiation and the the surgery to take the other half of my thyroid out and I refused I said I'm not gonna put radiation into my body I am not going to poison myself I am NOT going to go through that and my doctor was very understanding, but he says, you know, you are are risking a lot by not going with the radiation. And I said, I'll find another, I'll, I'll find another solution. And that that came down to medical marijuana. It came down to cannabis oil. So I um, I asked him if if I could try it. He said, go ahead. And um, that put me in touch with a lot of people with medical marijuana um, movement that's going on in Colorado right now, which has legalized medical marijuana. And when medical marijuana opened up in Colorado and they discovered how the oil from um, the the tips of the marijuana plant, um, were making a huge difference with children with seizures and cancers and women with breast cancer. Um, it it went like wildfire. Um, Sanjay Gupta and CNN did a big story um, called Weed that really opened it up. The Stanley Brothers, who developed Charlotte's Web, which is a very, very special strain of cannabis oil that is high in cannabinoid and very low in the hallucinogenic part of it, um, changed the lives of of so many children. Um, They are from where I am in Colorado and actually grow this special strain of cannabis Um, near where I live so I'm kind of thrust in the middle of this new movement and the miracles that we're finding with cannabis um, are phenomenal and most people don't realize that this has been known to be an effective cure for cancer for a very very long time but all the studies that were done in Israel and in other countries were suppressed by our pharmaceutical companies because there's no profit they can't they can't um, get rights to cannabis they can't make money off of it so they suppress the information which has caused millions of people to die um, being poisoned by chemotherapy and many many other Drugs that we put into our body that are only created for profit. So um, this is all coming out now. We realize the effects of cannabis on many, many illnesses. And people started flocking to Colorado to get help for their children. We were getting um, 500 families a month coming into Colorado. A lot of them were leaving their homes with nothing except anything they could put in the car. Um, They were leaving their jobs, their families, and once they come to Colorado and start their children on cannabis oil, they can't take their children back home um, because it's illegal to take cannabis across state lines because it's illegal in other states. So they were leaving everything behind and coming to Colorado, and most of them were staying in hotels. And, My husband and I had just bought a a HUD home that was in very, very poor shape, and we were going to fix it up and actually use it for ourselves. And that kind of fell through. And so one night um, I had this amazing dream, and in this dream I saw families living in that home with children being treated with cannabis oil. So I talked to him about it, and we decided that's what we're gonna do. So we fixed the house up, and we have opened it up, and are calling it the Children's Healing House, and it's open for anybody who is coming to Colorado to treat their children with medical marijuana, and we are not charging anything. Um, That's not a for-profit thing, um, we're absorbing a lot of this cost ourselves, but we're also getting some donations in to help run it. It's costing us a little over $1,000 a month to run the house, but some things are worth more than money. And um, what is money anyway? It's, um, it's energy. So right now the house is absolutely full. We have got um, three families in there right now. And we've got one woman in there with breast cancer. And um, we have a beautiful little 11-year-old boy who is fighting brain cancer that has just started on the cannabis oil. We have, we have prayers for him. And I am, I'm very excited to be able to provide this because it, it gives hope to a lot of families who leave their house and are going to a place where they know no one. And it's kind of like what I've been through, and people were there for me, and I want to be there for them.
1: Well, well. First, I want to say, thank, want to say thank you. Thank um, you. Then maybe I could hey. say, I mean, maybe it's the motorcycle in the background, but um, if you you might turn your speakers down just a hair because we're getting a little echo. But um, it it's such an important thing because. Um, this there's a group of uh, you're talking about kids with seizures there's a group of epilepsy doctors in the United States that have now called on the federal government to uh, change the the doctors, a group of doctors medical doctors that have called on the government to change the classification because they said there's good stuff going on and, but yes we don't have the double blind controlled studies to show you because we can't do them we can't get permission right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's a way we can help these kids, we want, uh, we don't care what way it is, but we need to do the, because it turns out that for many, many, and certainly for epilepsy, one of the seizures, one of the main healing components in the in the plant for that is cannabidiols. Right. And um, cannabidiols, CBDs, you could call them, like they do the... THC, it's one tetrahydrocannabinol, but there's all kinds of com- cannabidiols in there, and they're not psychoactive, but they are medically active, and so you don't have to, you know, turn it into some bad rerun of a Cheech and Chong movie. It's not a, it's not about that. No, certainly and, not what people are trying to do to their high. children.
5: These children don't get high off of this. They get sleepy. They get sleepy. They don't get high. They get help, and that's. Amazing
2: important not just for kids but for adults um certainly it sucks that i live in canada and it's i mean medical marijuana is is accessible here however in my case even if i wanted to get it um i hate like absolutely abhor being stoned so Medical marijuana was never an option for me for my broken back, for my fibromyalgia, for my herniated disc. I'm sure it would have made my life so much easier and the healing process so much faster, but I, I can't function on it. And so, what these two brothers are doing with the new strain that they've developed and the, the research that's being done is so important, so unbelievably important. My, my mother died because of prescription medication. It shut her body down. Mm-hmm. She took too many pain pills for too long. And yeah. I know in my heart that had she been able to use medical marijuana for pain management, then she'd still be with us. So this is a subject that is it's really, really important to me for people to talk about this and to be made aware of the huge benefit. That this plant, this amazing gift from God, George, Bob, whatever you want to call the universe, today, this is the biggest gift Mother Nature has ever so, given to mankind, and we are not using it properly.
1: You've seen some of this firsthand, I'm sure, with your guests and with your work. Have yes, you seen mm-hmm. some of these children and what it what it does to change their lives.
5: You know, I, I was thinking the other day about all these marathons that that people run for uh, run for the cure. Um, we have it. We've always had it. Yeah. Um, yeah. it It doesn't take millions of dollars in laboratories to discover a cure for cancer. We have it, and we have always had it, and it's very, very critical for all of us to ac- accept it as what it is instead of the chinchit chong. Um, I have never, ever smoked marijuana. I've never taken marijuana. I, I don't know what it feels like to to have that, but I do know what it feels like to watch a child turn around. From, from being almost in a vegetative state, to be able to communicate and to feed themselves after years and years of 500 seizures a day to none. That is a cure. That is absolutely a cure.
1: It's certainly a functional cure. Anybody, any scientists want to argue about the definition of cure? It's certainly a functional cure because it... Dr. Cherry Walls does that with, you know, did your diet cure your multiple sclerosis? She says, I'm a doctor. I can't really necessarily say that, but I ride my bike three miles to work every day. Exactly. That's close enough. That's what – so call it a functional cure. Call it what you will. It, <clears throat> we've discussed on the morning show, uh, I am a medical marijuana user. And I'm talking with the people at my dispensary about, you know, getting some CBD oils um, because it's, I've battled my neuropathy, which is battled with epilepsy medications, uh, peripheral neuropathy. That's what they give you for it. They don't give you pain, it causes pain, but they don't give you pain medication because it doesn't really work. Because it's not really pain, it's fibrillation and seizures of the nerves in your extremities. And, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, so it's not real pain. So pain medication doesn't make it go away until you take enough that you pass out, and then everything goes away, including life. You know, um, and it's. I understand. I'm sure that there are people that you know. Well, I got anxiety, dude. For you know, because <laughs> they're whatever's yeah. their thing. I and and Nikki can testify that. I am in such pain and such inability to function without it that it's, it, it, the prescription drugs don't make up for it. Uh, I can take more of them and stop the pain, but it also pretty much stops my brain and my living and my, we almost didn't get this silly radio show, morning radio show launched. I was in such sad shape. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, I live in Arizona where they have a, program, and I was I felt it was very important to not try to go around the law when I first moved here to respect it, because it's going to allow me access, and perhaps allow me access to stuff that's um, advanced enough that it doesn't make you goofy, you know.
5: You know, Nikki, your mom passed from prescription drugs. I don't know if anybody that has ever passed from medical marijuana or an overdose
2: of
5: marijuana. Um, I
2: know, and it really, um, you know, my my family, my personal history is what drives me every day to get up and do the work that I do because having people like you on the show brings – that much more awareness to really important issues and we've really we've been lied to for so long and i hate going down that road i hate talking about the, the what's wrong with the world we try not to do that but we have really had this this misconception just driven into our brains for a really long time like been told that it's a truth that society as a whole is for a long time, has believed this to be a truth that this plant is a bad thing. And it's evil. I've done the research. I've seen firsthand what prescription medication, what narcotics, what synthetic drugs do to the human body. I watched my mom waste away for mm-hmm. years, and it didn't do anything. For the pain so she added alcohol to the mix and there goes the family dynamic out the window because you add prescription painkillers and alcohol together and dragon lady's born she wasn't my mom anymore yeah so I know what those things do so when I see somebody like you doing the work that you're doing I'm like yeah I want to talk to her because I know that if even one person hears you and is inspired by what you're doing to research and get informed, it could potentially change their life. It could save somebody that they know. It could save them. And that, to me, makes it worthwhile getting up in the morning.
5: You know, Nikki, you and I have something very, very much in common. My mother was bedridden for 27 years because of pain, osteoarthritis, and her glaucoma. And she gave up and went to bed. And was in bed for 27 years my dad was her caregiver and she had pain pills and she started drinking vodka um, hiding it in the closet just to manage the pain so she could sleep at night I remember my father one time saying I can go find some marijuana for you that might make it easier And she says, oh, I can't, I can't because it's illegal and I don't want to get caught. And and she was terrified of the stigma of being a pothead. So she refused it. She had a miserable life for 27 years and she also wasted away and died in my arms. And I know now that if medical marijuana had been available to her, she might not have languished like she did. It might have helped her get out of bed. It might have managed the pain so that she could have been happy instead of so depressed. She could have widened her world instead of living in her bedroom with her television. And her quality of life would have been better. Now that medical marijuana is becoming well known, and it is becoming more acceptable, and we're seeing the results. We don't have to have people like your mom and my mom who are going to languish away. I see a bright future for people like them, and I'm, I'm very grateful. I, I need to be grateful for what is, what is coming down the road and the awareness that we are now getting and the opportunities for real health care. I mean real health care, not medicated pharmaceutical care, but real health care, natural health care from a plant that we have known for a very long time, but we have stigmatized as being something that those people only use behind closed doors.
2: And that's it. And I agree with you. I do see hope. I see it a lot of hope. I, I see it in working with Rick and seeing the difference in him because he was, he was an absolute mess. I see it in my own healing journey where, you know, I diagnosed with, with one of the diseases that my mom had, which was fibromyalgia, but she also had osteoarthritis and osteoporosis. Um, and I have
5: fibromyalgia as well. I, I can okay, clear, so, understand. Okay, so... Right. So I, but I've managed to to learn
2: not to man, not to manage my pain, but to get rid of my pain through mm-hmm. proper eating, diet, exercise, meditation, and, and living, following my passion. So a combination of all those things, living in joy, um, and all, combining all those things, a really true holistic healing regime that I have taken on, and I don't I I don't suffer anymore. And so I want to tell people about that. I want to let them know that this is, this is not only a possibility, it's a reality. They can do it. And I see it. I've seen it. I've lived it. I know that this is available for people. And I want them to know that there's, there's life after this ease. And it can be joyous and abundant and fun.
1: <laughs> and... And... Again, what would, it it takes a very cold person to not be heartened by a child that's, you know, almost comatose, uh, running around playing ball in the yard. There's just something about that because then they laugh and then you just know that it has Mm -hmm. to be right. It can't, what, it has to be. Absolutely. Um, It's not, uh, we're discovering. That a lot of indigenous societies were quite familiar with the fact that the cannabis plant had two characters that if you had to prepare it and use it in a certain way it was a medicinal thing and in another way it was a shamanic thing and we certainly have the technology to be able to separate the two we don't have to do any strange genetic engineering or chemicalizing they make the oil they bred the plant and um, here in Arizona, at all the dispensaries, everything is lo- is labeled. It's tested, and then it's labeled with how much THC, how much CBD, how much, mm-hmm. you know. So progress is being made. They do have creams available here for people with, if they just have arthritis, say, in their hands, you rub the CBD cream on, and it just soaks in through the skin. It solves the pain, and there's certainly no psychoactive effect. It's just cream that's soaked in your hand. Um, and... Those kinds of magical things, seemingly magic, really. Here, some oil from this weed. It grows everywhere. You know, grows fast. It soaks up lots of carbon. But
5: what they're also discovering is it is um, it is amazing for skin cancer. I have had three places removed on my face with skin cancer, and I went through several. I was told were acid peels to remove the precancerous lesions before they turned cancerous. And I have recently found out that those acid peels that I I was given through a dermatologist are actually chemotherapy. And if I had used the cannabis oil on my face, it would have brought out the um, cancerous lesions that had not appeared yet and it healed them. I, I've seen it. I know it works. Um, it, it is amazing, and it's gentle. It doesn't cause the the peeling, the redness, the pain. It is simply a cream that you put on your face, and it cures skin cancer.
1: Yeah. Um, so one thing that's always kind of confused the science community is smoking marijuana That has many of the same... You know, smoking leaves and a plant, tobacco's leaves, a plant. So before the tobacco companies fooled with it quite as much, you know, the marijuana smoking, it has many of those same chemicals. But the marijuana smokers, not only don't they, they don't have an increased lung cancer rate, they actually have a decreased lung cancer rate Mm -hmm. because they've been, so they're finally... A few real doctors have said, perhaps we should research that this this must have some cancer protective effect. Um, and can you imagine if you had some, you know, cannabis-based olive oil on your salad once a week and knew that you never had to worry about having any kind of cancer ever? Now, we're not at a place where we can say that yet, but that's one reason we need it to come out of the dark and out of the secrets in the the secrets, really, yeah. we don't like those. Is so that yeah. the re- that research get, can be done.
2: Let's get you know? studying it. Find yeah. out just how amazing this plant is. I mean, I, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to put to make a salad out of it?
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, we do know people who who have used it for juicing.
1: We the uh, so folks out there in California with the movie Leaf, where they're juicing yeah. the fresh plant, and and so that way you're not getting. The THC content mostly comes from aging and heating, a lot of it, and um, so they're avoiding it by getting it, it, cut it live and juice it while it's real, still basically still alive, and um, they're not getting any psychoactive effect, and they're uh, curing people of fibromyalgia and cancer, and um, and as Dr. W- William Courtney, that's doing this, uh, stated, he said, my patients are accountants and and doctors and bankers and and bakers and they, they can't be running around stoned all day, <laughs> which, which, but they can't be running around dying of cancer either if they don't have to. And and
2: nobody should. And that's the, that's the, that's it right there. When we have this available to us, nobody should be suffering from this, these disorders and these diseases. That's and that's the bottom line. We have the answer, like she said. It's right. It's right there. Right there in front of us.
5: It's a weed.
1: And it grows like a weed. It really does. It It does. uh, I'm glad that they this latest farm bill at least legalized for trials in some states growing of regular hemp, which also, contrary to some Facebook posts, is not marijuana. It is the same family of plant, but it is not psychoactive. Has almost no THC in it at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could set a field on fire and maybe, but not. Any other way, but it makes great rope and and building materials and clothing and uh, you know
2: paper 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 paper, paper. killing trees please
1: and you can grow a whole field of it in a year and it soaks up all that carbon and gives you the paper the building materials the all of that and um, and and then there's this this plant that fortunately uh, I believe there will get some the medical establishment is beginning to say, listen, okay, at least if you're not going to legalize it, can we knock it one step down the classification list? Because then at least the university could apply to do a study. Right now they can't get approved to do a study because they can't get permission to get... It's on the schedule of drugs, chemicals, substances that are generally recognized as having no medical use. So you can't have them. Not even to research them. What? Yeah, you know
5: it, it. It goes even, even the boundaries of the problem of not of legalizing it, but not understanding it go into our economic base as well. I know in Colorado, the banks won't. This is so. This is so ridiculous. Even though it's legal in Colorado the local banks will not take the money that the dispensaries are getting for the medical marijuana and for the recreational marijuana because they would be funneling drug money.
1: And that's against federal law and they're federally regulated banks.
5: Right. So right now most of the dispensaries are using safes because they can't go through their local banks. Um, so many things have to be changed. So many things have to be re-looked at. And our perception of, of what m- marijuana has been has got to change. It, it's got to change from this evil plant that makes everybody high and makes everybody stoners and, and um, causes people to, to veg out and have the munchies and, you know, the Scooby-Doo thing, um, We've, we've got to change that perception, and that perception is only going to change when people see that, that the medical marijuana is changing lives, and it's not getting these little kids stoned, and it, it's not um, keeping people from being what they need to be when they're healthy. And health is a big thing. And the, our pharmaceutical companies have just taken over our lives. And um, we have to fight back. We have to show them something different.
1: Well, and we, can, I- we can offer these children a perhaps short, uh, a certainly painful life filled with astronomical health care costs
3: mm-hmm.
1: that will lead to nothing but more being in the bed and pain and suffering and astronomical medical care costs. Well, if anything, or the, we, can, the drug? we can offer them a productive life where they can be a productive member of society and not a drain on society. If you, I don't think you could ever classify people as a drain on society, but there are people that like to use that term. What um, I, I, I just don't get, and, and I do believe that once people see, you because know, I'm sure there's folks, you know, what, they're giving marijuana to their kids. They shoot these people. Hang them up, Martha. They're giving weed to the kids. Well, it's not, not only like that. that.
3: Social Services <laughs> is
5: coming in and taking these kids away from these parents.
1: Yeah, because you you don't want to do the chemotherapy. You want to do this other thing that makes them better and happy. No, we can't have that. You're we're seizing your children.
5: You, you know what a stone child <sighs> is? A stone child is a child that's on medications. To keep them from seizing, by putting them into a catatonic state. Most of these kids that are coming to Colorado that uh, have been on seizure medication are are so stoned on this medication that they are comatose, and they have to be. They they have to be weaned off of this horrible medication that keeps them from from being aware that keeps them from their families, that keeps them from life. They have to be weaned off of that. It it is a horrible process. We don't need to do that to our children who are having health care problems. We don't need to do
3: that.
2: I think it's absolutely mind-blowing. The society, a society that thinks it's okay to medicate our kids because they happen to want to run around the classroom at the age of five and six, um, so let's give them drugs and keep them calm because they're too hyper, um, would think that feeding an oil derived from a natural source plant is bad for our children. I just don't get it. It's completely illogical, and it's, to me, borderlining on insanity,
1: and, and When and it, you
2: look at it in that context, it borderlines on insane.
1: It's in the catch-22 zone, okay, because governments and people, and it, they stand up and they say, okay, show me the research. Well, we can't because it's illegal to do it. We can't.
3: You told we would us love we to. can't do it.
1: <laughs> we would love to. I would love to because I would love to. I believe that the right uh, – you know, CBD rich, perhaps. They know that for some things the THC is the healing component, but for most things it's the CBDs. That, that I could get off of all of the prescription medications that I take and function normally. And wow, wouldn't that be nice? Instead of having to plan my life around pain. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea to me. I'd love to try that. Now,
5: the irony of all this is those studies have been done. They were done in Israel back in the 1930s. They have been done in many, many other countries. And we have not accepted those reports or studies. Um, They have been suppressed by the pharmaceutical companies. And if we were to allow those studies to become um, a part of our medical um, profession, and allow our doctors to have these studies, I think things, things might turn around for um, the declassification of, of medical marijuana.
2: Well, we're certainly headed in the right direction, I believe. Um, so, you know, at, at least we have that to be grateful for. We're so many steps ahead of where we were even oh, a year ago,
5: we have hope, and these children Absolutely. have hope, and the families have hope. And when they when they come to Colorado um, and leave everything behind, they're coming because they love their children desperately, and they want their children to have a life worth living. And I'm I'm very thankful. I live in Colorado where all of this is is coming to um, the forefront. And I am grateful for Sanjay Gupta for bringing it to the media, and I am I am very very grateful to people like you who um, bring this on um, radio and make it um, a public discussion, which it needs to be. Because the more we talk about it, the more acceptance we're going to have, and it's going to come out of the shadows, and it's going to be available for many 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 other people. To um have a real quality of life when they were suffering um, unnecessarily, thank you.
1: Well, you know, thank you uh, for these yeah. amazing gifts and work right? that you're doing. Um, but it's like when you're a little kid and you hear noises from your closet, and you're convinced that the boogeyman is in there, right? It's, you can hear it, right? The boogeyman. It's monsters in the closet. Oh, my God. Every minute they get bigger and more. Ah, and then it turns out to be your kitty cat when it comes out into the light and you can see it. And medical marijuana, medicinal use of cannabis, if you would like it to sound different, is one of those things that when it comes out of the closet, it's a kitty cat. It's not a big lion going to eat you. Um but it needs the light of day, it needs the light of public discussion. It needs the light of where does it fit in society um does it fit in society? Well, it's kind of here okay It came with the planet it is one of those things um, original factory equipment, one could say um and so but let's take this information from indigenous tribes that. Even though they may not use it anymore, they have the stories and the wisdom from the old folks in the tribe about, yeah, well, that can do two things. And, and, and let's take this research. Let's do new research. We've got all kind of whiz-bang guys at medical schools that would like to check it out, including the Epilepsy Foundation. and They want it to be careful. Okay, well, then let's do the studies. Let's yeah. at least go that it's far. Got all
2: this- All this money being raised for cancer research, how many people are raising money for cancer research all the time? Let's invest some of that cancer research money into researching the benefits of medical marijuana. Hey, let's race for marijuana. Right. You know, like, it it just seems to be the logical next step to me.
1: I mean... We've had on the show, we've had uh, Angela Mandato, who's one of our morning correspondents, who's discovered great rewards to her spiritual and, and physical health uh, with ayahuasca. She has, was never a pothead. She was never a drug take. She still isn't. She doesn't even really drink much in the way of wine. She just doesn't do that. All of these things have their place. But you can't find the place when you stick it in the closet and make it bad. what is this bad thing? We're right, to get well, over well that. Dr. But
2: David Suzuki did an amazing documentary on the uses of ayahuasca in drug rehabilitation.
1: Yeah, people with horrible so, drug uh, addictions that get over it in, like, one or two experiences over the course of a week in Peru. And they've the been to five rehabs. Religion. Yeah, well, it has to, all of this has to be done correctly. And, and the
2: improper, well, that's exactly it, right? It it's, it has to be done properly, and there has to be awareness raised. So it's you know that's why we do the conversations and the show so that people know so the information because the information's out there. You just have
5: to look for it. It's not hard to find at all. I I honestly believe that for every illness that is, is manifested in the human being, there is a cure that nature has given us. We just don't know of all of them yet. And we do know about the marijuana plant and cannabis. And it would be horrific if we did not supply our human race with a natural plant that can cure the illnesses that we manifest. We may not know of many more, but you just mentioned another one that helps with um, psychosis or, or drug addictions. But if we open up the possibility that research needs to be done on the cure for our illnesses through the natural plants, the natural things that are already here that were provided to us by Bob, if you want to, or George, or Mother Nature. Instead of looking at chemicals which are manufactured um, synthetically, we can possibly, and I, I firmly believe this to be true, we will cure every illness
1: on the planet. I absolutely believe you. You're absolutely correct. I because
2: absolutely agree over here, too.
1: We, we probably could <laughs> yes, synthesize yes, yes. all of the nutrients, vitamins, amino acids, and, and hoo-hahs that they think we need out of our diet and, and make them in a laboratory in a funky white powder and but why would press do it that? into pet tablets it's and you could eat that, or you so could weird. have a salad or a steak or a whatever it is, you know, and then an out burger at 10 p.m. Whatever it is that you're hankering for. So why do we do that with medication? Money. You know, I, I money. mean, it comes down to money. The, well, huh. sure it does. Great. It's they can be patented and all that kind of stuff. Um, Many of our early medications and still really good ones like aspirin that can save you from heart attacks and stuff. Is, that came from native wisdom. It was the bark of the white willow tree. Yeah. You know? And we've gone down the road with these chemical extracts of plants and then they've made chemical extracts of the extracts and similar chemicals and twisted molecules and hoo and because they can patent them. And, and charge you a good bazillion dollars for it. And that's all cool, you know? I mean, I, I suppose it's a okay game if you can get somebody to let you play it. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a game I don't want to play. Now I'll play this game over here where I can have a salad and some oil and whatever it is that I can find that Mother Nature can provide, if I can get it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, then that just seems a better, logically seems a better idea to me. What is it? This this isn't rocket science, people.
3: Doesn't it
5: seem like it's the natural thing to do? Doesn't it seem (laughs) like it's it's what is supposed to be? (laughs) That we have gotten so far away from our natural state of being as a, as a human being um, with Mother Earth and, and the exchange of air with trees and oxygen. And doesn't it all come down to, to sharing with nature from the very, very beginning? Where did we go when we decided that chemicals were better than what nature was giving us? Where did we go when we decided that that it was better to to drug children and to poison people to kill a, a poison already in their body i I regret that the our human nature went in that direction, and now's the time to turn it around. I think the awakening is happening. I think people are realizing this. Um, I think it's going to come from the bottom up toward the pharmaceutical companies, toward the big banks, toward the CEOs who are loving their money and don't care about that anymore. And hopefully um, the grassroots effort to, to go back to nature, to start taking care of our planet, if we are loud enough and we are strong enough and we can show them the evidence of what has been missing that has always been our natural state. I think we're going to win. But we can't get Oh, that. there's
2: there's there's no if about it, honey. There's no it, it, not I, not now. You, I, we
1: I just think we, we do our morning show
2: for a reason because we've been watching what's going on in our world and we're absolutely convinced we already won. They just don't know it yet. So there's no if about it. Because, we I mean, are strong know. enough. We are smart enough and we are going to get what we want. Um, it's mean, so just a matter of time.
1: Even a, one of the doctors that's kind of skeptical about the whole thing, and, and he said, you know, let's make a balanced decision about compassionate use. If I were Charlotte Figi's parents and lived in Colorado, I would have done exactly what they did. And as a doctor, I would gladly prescribe marijuana products for many of my patients who failed existing therapies. Right? In many cases, these are not people that are like, you know, hey, let's try this. They have tried everything the medical community has to offer and discovered that all it has to offer is a chemically, basically a chemically induced coma or right on the edge thereof.
5: Yeah.
1: And, and i got
5: um, children that come to the house. One of the children that, that's in the house right now, the children's healing house, um, was sent home to die. The doctor said, we, we can't do anything else. And his mother said, uh-uh, no, you're, m- my child is not going to die. There is something out there, and I'm going to take him to Colorado. And even if it's the last-ditch effort, we're going to try it, because I love my child, and I'm not going to watch him die. And um, I pray for her every day.
1: We're going to go down fighting if we're going to go down.
5: Absolutely. I mean, well, if there's something we'll out there. Be, oh, we'll be praying for her, too.
1: We'll be praying for her, too and because that's that's the other that's the other problem with the lack of availability is sometimes these people get themselves into really 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 bad shape before they have access and that's just stupid
5: you know this mother was the first one to to go to the um the children's healing house and her son was was so catatonic on anti seizure medication because of his brain cancer that my husband had to carry him from the car into the healing house um, and and put him in bed. And when I go to the healing house and I go into his room and I look at him and I talk to him, he doesn't respond. He's on a feeding tube. He's hooked up. um, And they have just now started the uh, medical marijuana. When I get home, I'm hoping to see a change. But I tell him when I see him, you're going to be okay. This is going to change your life. You're going to come back. And his grandmother and his mom look at me and, and they say, if you could just see him when he's well, if you can just see his little personality, he's a ball of fire. And I know that when I get back home and I go to the children's healing house, I'm going to see that beautiful 11-year-old boy much better because of a natural product that is going to fight that brain cancer that the doctors have given up on.
2: Well, when he starts getting better, Lynn, you make sure you drop us a line at the EC fan page or via email or whatever, and we're going to, we're going to talk about it on the morning show. Just as I was, a follow up. It
1: was certainly because, certainly spread that good news all over everywhere.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. It'd be celebration day over at Waking Up to Every Day Connection. <laughs> Big party. Yeah. <laughs> um it's interesting it's interesting because just two weeks ago we went to see an old friend and um he's he's a pot user and a friend of his has a young boy who's been diagnosed with a form of brain cancer that they consider to be incurable um now this friend speaks only French, I speak only English um, and so I was trying to get my husband to translate, and I was trying to get my husband to tell this guy about the use of medical marijuana and the the, the things that are being done with the oil with regards to curing some of these diseases um and The stigma is so bad around that, that my husband, who supports and trusts everything I do, implicitly refused to make the suggestion to his friend because it involved a child. Yeah. And he thought that his friend was going to think him absolutely nuts, even though both of them are pot smokers.
5: May I make a suggestion, Nikki, and, and this is in, in, in very good wishes. May I make the suggestion that we not call them pot users, but recreational users? Because okay, they're
2: a- both recreational users. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely, and I agree with you. They're both recreational users, and yet he refused to, to say it because of the stigma around it being a child. Even though yeah. I was, you know, I was like, "But this could, this could cure this kid," um, mm-hmm. and and that, you know, I, that I, really I, uh, blew my mind because I was sitting there going, "Wow," and and then it occurred to me right then and there how how bad the stigma is still around this issue where people won't. And this is a lifelong friend, and he wouldn't bring it up because he was afraid that, that his friend was going to get mad. But, you know, I'm going to let him, I'm going to let my husband listen to tonight's show. And hopefully he will see that this this is not just a fly-by-night, I my wife came up with some crazy idea. This is actually being done
5: because it could save this
2: child. And,
1: and, and this is not, you know, well... We've sent them home to die, so go ahead and let them get stoned so they don't hurt. It's not that either.
5: No. No, I that,
1: don't You can that. do that in the hospital. They have really good get-you-stone stuffs oh, in the hospital. yeah,
2: absolutely. They can whack they can get, it right you right on totally out. You can in the hospital. Absolutely. So,
1: you know, this is a, that's not what it's I, about. I
2: have an idea that might cure this kid. And no, I can't tell him that. what? What?
1: I'd like to go ahead and challenge everybody. I've been kind of dancing around it, and we're getting close to time, and and, uh, you're so generous with us this evening, Um, Lynn. But um, I want to challenge everybody. Go out on YouTube. I'll find the link. Surely there must be a copy of Reefer Madness up on YouTube or somewhere. It was one of the films that was used when they first decided to outlaw marijuana. The evil marijuana. And, I mean, it's just – watch it with your right-now eyes. You won't get very far into it, I don't think, before you're just like, well, that's just, just stupid. Because it's just ridiculously stupid. But it is it is what was produced by the mindset that caused this, you know, well, we can't have that, you yeah. know. And that's a bunch of snake oil. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not doubting that there were snake oil salesmen, but there were also people going around the country with cannabis oil. And solving problems way back then. You know, I can't have that. It's not very scientific. Cannabis oil. I can't have that. Can't make that in the laboratory. Yeah, because the really good gifts from nature you can't make in the laboratory. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll put my soapbox down for a minute.
2: Well, so... Lynn, you're—you've just started the Healing House. This is a brand new endeavor for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been open so, a week. Okay, so as we've as we've been able to tell this story, where can people go to support this idea, to share the information, to inform themselves, and, and to to financially support the Healing House? Because I'm sure that would be a huge help for you as well. Because, as you said, a lot of these families come with nothing. Um, and although George does always provide, sometimes he provides by way of donation.
5: That that would be great. Um, you know, I, I think if you just email me um, at lindzina.com, um, at AOL.com, and I don't know what it is. It's, anyway, it's lindzina at AOL.com. That's it. I don't email myself very often. Um, <laughs> I, I can really answer questions. Um, and I can help them to um, help donate, that would just be absolutely amazing. Um, Money does work sometimes, and um, in this case it would really help. And anything over the um, amount that is used to fund the home will be put into an account for these families who have left their jobs and are looking for work in Colorado as well. Um, because, as I said, they left everything. So um, the money will be used, and it's not going to go for, for, personal, for personal gain at all. That is not what I'm about. I have never been about that. It's all about helping these families get these children well.
2: So can you spell that for us?
5: Yes, it's, so L-Y- people... it's L-Y-N-N-Z, as in zebra, I-N-A, at AOL.com.
2: Wonderful, and and the website
5: is there a website yet for the healing house? No, there's not. We're too new. Okay. Um, I'm also right. on Facebook, no problem. and um, if you go on my Facebook account, you can see pictures of the healing house under my album, my photo album.
1: And we're gonna we're gonna share a lot of that on our posting uh, on our website. And I've just uh, shared your website that talks about the book and does have a contact Lynn. Uh, spot they can click at LynnLansford.com. Um but it, it, it is it's the healing house is new the whole idea is still very new for such an old been here all this while plant um, and uh, but we'll have links up about uh, the in school hostage crisis and Charlotte's web uh, the cannabis part not the other
3: it's good mm-hmm. it's a good
1: movie I remember loving that movie when I was a kid and the story <laughs> <coughs> Happy pig. How can you go wrong? Um, and uh, uh, because the uh, this oil that they've come up with, it really basically it should be treated like you can go to the health food store and get hemp oil. Well, this stuff doesn't have any THC in it. It should be just as legal as that, but it's not, so that's stupid. Oh wait, not stupid. It's uninformed, unenlightened, and we're going to shine the light on that.:
5: There you go. There you go. uninformed.
1: That's it. we're going to shine the light on it best we can. Thank you so much, Lynn, for carving some time out for us and for sharing your time, talent, and treasure with the world. Uh, Generous gifts you've brung this lifetime you've been living.
5: Well, thank you for having me, and I I deeply appreciate all that you're doing to inform the public of things that, that really make a difference. Thank you.
1: Amen. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Everyday Connection now, 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 now. When now? Now. Cheers.
5: What are we doing now? What are we, what are we doing,
1: doing now? now? What are we, what are we doing, doing
5: now? now? There's no time but now.
1: We've got more, more cool people to talk to and conversations to have. And, and, and surely George will have more surprises for Nikki and I both that, uh, because we like good surprises like that. It's like Christmas when we do our Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Right, sort of. Absolutely, we we'll get present. So
2: don't forget to stop. Don't forget to stop by our website, everydayconnection.me, and also stop on by theflowcooperative.com, which is the new network. And uh, waking up, our new morning show, waking up with Everyday Connection, is streaming live weekdays, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, so you can stop by there as well. You can, of course, as always, find us on Facebook. Everyday Connection, or the Flow Cooperative, or Nikki Leach, or, or Richard O'Shea, Richard or, or all of or them. Just, just all of the, the above.
1: above. Um, we um, we got lots of good stuff, and if you're listening to this replay through Blog Talk, Blog Talk has been a fantastic tool for us and for so many others. We don't want to speak ill of Blog Talk, but the Flow Cooperative is a, sort of a new stream thing that we've got going, and the sound quality is just, well it's
0: super
2: awesome
1: yeah it's really very it's cd quality sound we we uh, play amazing. music when we don't have talk shows on and we got other hosts that are just clamoring to come play it's going to be so much fun it is so much fun already
2: it is already so, well because we we find people like lynn through the morning show which is absolutely amazing
1: absolutely amazing um, and awesome and and, yeah. and see we we find them we go man you're so awesome you're going to be on the radio and we don't even know the really awesome stuff but I, I tell you what, healing some children—that's some really awesome stuff. Been—that's really what all those stories were about, right? It's just yep, lo- loving on some children. That's, what's Lynn Lansford do? Children. She loves, she loves, some, loves her some children. That's what she does. And um, the rest is just good stuff. So uh, we hope that you'll join us in the morning and uh, join us for our next evening show. But until then, to
2: our mother, to each other, and this especially to yourselves. Stay connected.
1: Have a great now everybody. Join Jane and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everyday connection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.